1: Step-back three from the top. Got it! Got it! Giannis ties the game and becomes the Bucks' all-time leading score on one stroke. It's been a 50-year journey. Wisconsin, we've got a room at the top of the world tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. I play basketball and win and win yeah oh my
2: god six we're gonna be we're gonna win a six
3: hello welcome to episode 386 of the winning six podcast proudly part of the euro podcast network and blue wire podcast i'm your host adam mcgee and joining me as always it's my good friend jordan Tresky. jordan hello 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 <laughs> that uh that hello was a little bit more are you there because just as we started recording jordan's camera went off i was like oh no, we lost jordan but you are there jordan yes i am in siberia <laughs> it's it's good to know it's disconcerting i'm so used to seeing your face that suddenly being greeted by this it does feel like you've been taken hostage um so maybe maybe you have because you're gonna have to talk about some some topics that you're not all that crazy about on um, today's podcast. Would that be maybe a factor in it? is this your form of a protest?
2: This is my you know, I'm looking at towards the end of the season and I'm I'm thinking of taking I think of asking for a trade. Wow. And if I don't get if I don't get a trade, I'm gonna Where, sit where's on your list. Um I could make real you haven't this
3: right. true far enough, really, had you?
2: No. I can oh, make I can... real references right now, but it would I, I think people would actually think I'd be serious rather than um I can't turn my camera back on, which is even funnier because <laughs>
3: <laughs> Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get general manager Ty Windish in here, uh just in case. Have him I want you to, to tell to Ty plans.
2: that I'm prepared to sit out the entire rest of the season if I don't get what I want.
3: <laughs> I, I'm going to send him a message right now saying that, Jordan. Don't you worry. Um, we are going to talk about the Walkie Bucks. Good news for the Walkie Bucks and the all-star conversation that you and I were not all that optimistic about. Good news for the Milwaukee Bucks and that they just cannot stop winning basketball games. And they're closing that gap. They've almost closed it entirely to the Boston Celtics at the top of the Eastern Conference. Good news for the Milwaukee Bucks in terms of trades elsewhere. Bad news for the Milwaukee Bucks. I'll let you, the listener, decide. uh, But I'll also try and get Jordan to weigh in. Not long before we started recording. Big trade, big, big trade, possibly the biggest trade we're going to get in the next few days, went down. Um, It moved very fast because Kyrie Irving had not requested a trade when we last recorded an episode of Win in Six. He has since requested a trade. Not a whole lot about that. That's absolutely shocking. Um, But the Dallas Mavericks sprung into action. And they managed to pull off a deal. So they have sent Spencer Dinwiddie back to Brooklyn. They've sent Dorian Finney-Smith with him. First round pick, I believe, 2027 first? Um, and... I
2: keep seeing different reports to what pick it is.
3: Okay, and there's two seconds. Yes. And the Nets have also sent... Markeith Morris to Dallas, I believe.
1: Yes.
2: Am I missing any pieces of the trace? I don't believe so. Um oh, actually. Um you forgot um the throwing in Steve Nash's Mavericks jersey to give to Mark Cuban to hang in his office. <laughs>
3: uh did I send Steve Nash back? Um no, I don't believe. <laughs> I don't believe so. Don't believe he's He's theirs to send Anymore Jordan Alright so this is This is big news Uh Whether it's the kind of Fun storyline Or not Given many of the Characters involved We're now gonna get to Watch Kyrie Irving Um On a Jason Kid coach Team which that is certainly Something From a basketball IQ Perspective Jordan From a pure Point guard perspective There's not really Anything else to talk about With those two guys That's gonna be quite a Trail right <laughs>
2: It's gonna be uh it's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> the media of the minds, you know, you just wanna see two point guards cook. That's what I that's what I've come to learn in my NBA experience.
3: Yeah, what happens with Luca Doncic is on that team already and he's really the guy who should have the ball at all times.
2: I'm just what's more important is Jason Kidd signing off on this it's very unprecedented move for the Dallas Brain Trust, you know. That's that's what's important here.
3: Yeah. Who wins, who loses this trade?
2: Who wins, who loses? Yeah. Um... I think it's very possible. It's easy... I'm, like, saying two different answers at once. Um... I think for right now it's the winners are Brooklyn because they just get out of the Kyrie business. Um that could easily change if Woj or Shams or Ari Abraham uh decide to tweet that Kevin Durant wants a trade request in like 15 minutes. So
3: Adam Shafter Adam he might do yeah, some Adam Schefter. Photoshop.
2: You know, I I just love 2023. It's it's all about these shitty photoshops that i could see on twitter and the newsbreakers are starting to do it now too this big business um so yeah i i think the potential for no one to win this trade um is very high because uh a brooklyn is now down to a big one um with kevin durant apologies to spencer dinwiddie and dorian finney smith (laughs) um and Dallas uh, parted with a lot of things that they decided to give up for Kyrie Irving for a potential three months of Kyrie Irving if you do not, or if you decide not to extend him, or if you do not, or decide not to resign him in the offseason. So I, it's, <laughs> I, I really don't know. It's, it's very, it's an odd, odd trade for, Where even with considering the circumstances that led up to this for the last, I don't know, year and a half. The Nets
3: win the trade. Hands down, the Nets win the trade. Uh Kyrie Irving has done everything in his power to single handedly tank what should have been like a victory lap for them as an organization in recent years. We know they've been down the road of big trees and building super teams before to disastrous effects, but this is one that should have worked a whole lot better. They may have anticipated some of what came their way, but they certainly wouldn't have anticipated all of it. And they sure have got the full Kyrie Irving experience in all the ways they didn't want in his time in Brooklyn. I just think that was a disaster for them. Like, The time had come to pull the plug on it anyway. He was going to leave in free agency. They weren't going to pay him. That's clearly how it came about. And with that. To get back. Two really good role players. Slightly better than role player. Like you're talking kind of. Two of the best players of that kind. In that tier. In the league. Under contract. I believe Dinwiddie. For another season. I think. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith has three seasons.
2: Yeah, he just signed or just signed extension an extension last year. Yeah,
3: so they're not just useful players to have in your roster for also whatever they decide they want their roster to be and whatever shape it is. Like Dorian Finney-Smith, two years from now, if KD's gone and the Nets are blowing it up, he's going to be valuable to a good team. You're going to get something back for that, and they've got a first round pick, and they've got two seconds in this. I think they're very, very clear winners, which when you boil it down to the simplest way of, well, look at what Kyrie Irving can do with a basketball in his hands, sounds insane. But as we know, that has not been the story of what he's brought to the Brooklyn Nets. And for whatever reason, and we've run through a full range of them, he hasn't been able to be on the floor anywhere near as much as they need him to. He's been a distraction when he has been there. I think they have set themselves up now that they could be aggressive at the deadline and they could add to this. Or they could run with a very different type of team to the one they've really been building. It's funny, Dinwiddie coming back here, in many ways, this gives Sean Marks a Sean Marks-esque roster when he got to do the best of his work with the Nets. Where really at that time, I think... (laughs) their best chance of success would have been, oh yeah, keep all those, like keep Jared Allen around, keep Dinwiddie at that point and see if you can get Kevin Durant and build that kind of team and maybe pick the right star in time rather than going and grabbing everyone all at once. It's kind of interesting to see them come full circle with Dinwiddie coming back, but it's not full circle because you got Kevin Durant still. And a, like, I fear the Nets more now than I have at any point throughout the season. Like, they're not far removed from a really hot streak of their own. And we kind of flippantly dismissed that only a couple of pods ago because we're like, who cares? Kyrie's going to just blow it up at some point anyway. Like, the Nets are going to shoot themselves in the foot. And we say that it really was Kyrie more than anyone else. So getting rid of him, if they can get a healthy KD to the remainder of the season into the playoffs and build a kind of a good solid rotation of well-rounded players, offensively and defensively, they're a tougher out if Kevin Durant just goes off in a series. You know, they're not going to have the upside of, oh, well, this individual can come and bail you out, but they're also going to be kind of a much tougher out in some of the matchups.
2: Yeah, I mean, in this scenario where Kevin Durant just I mean, he is committed to the Nets for now. Um, as we are recording this, this could easily change. But I do. It, there's something more safe about. Do, do you believe?
3: Just uh, let's let's go on the record about that, Jordan. Do you believe that Kevin Durant is going to remain at Brooklyn Hatcher to trade trade deadline?
2: I have no idea. I, I think he will. I don't I think I think, I it think it's more likely that he will and that they would revisit it in the off season, but I didn't anticipate him asking for a trade based on what was going on with Kyrie in the first place. Yeah, you know I mean.
3: I mean, individually, like I I don't think there you don't trade Kevin Durant unless Kevin Durant asks we traded, it. And if the rumblings out there, and it wouldn't just be the Suns. It would be pretty much every team in the NBA be interested. If yeah. the rumblings are the Suns, won't you? If I'm KD right now, I look at position in the standings, I look at everything stands, and I go, okay, I'll stay here with the Nets for the rest of the season. You know, Maybe Phoenix could be fun in the offseason, but for
2: now, I've got
3: a better chance where I am.
2: Yes. I also just think that they... I don't know, like, it, it, all the reasons why they made the trade now and why they won it for the reasons that we think now. What they constructed was ultimately is a failure. There is no changing back on what they hoped the last few years to be and why, or even from the moment that KD and Kyrie walked into that, uh, you know, into the facility, I guess, or the organization when they signed in free agency almost four years ago. So under those pretenses, yes, like, yeah, like whatever we thought of the Brooklyn Nets for the last three and a half, four years, add in James Harden, who quickly left, like everything about it is a failure. And now they have made a way for it to have like a life raft rather than just having crippling, um, uh, I don't know. If, if Katie were to leave in some if, short if time, If Katie period,
3: were to leave, then everything is a failure.
2: No, everything, I think it's a failure.
3: No, I, I disagree. You got Kevin Durant. So until you lose Kevin Durant, when Kevin Durant goes, your chances are gone until you lose Kevin Durant. Their chances are very much still alive. I, I'm not looking to cape mm. up for the decisions, the Sean Marks and Joe sigh of may and what the, the Brooklyn Nets have been in recent years. I think their philosophy has been terrible (laughs) and they've paid the price for that. Yeah. They got Kevin Durant though. So not everything is a failure because you've still got Kevin Durant. And while you've got Kevin Durant, you've got a real chance. And this is not... I don't know. This is not the Lakers or the Bulls or even the Knicks, right? (laughs) Uh, If we're to go for a franchise that is incredibly dysfunctional, but at least does have something there that in theory... Although, time and time again, it proves that to be the case. You should be able to work with that. You should be able to build something. The Nets is a different beast altogether. I think it's not all a failure when you've got Kevin Durant. And they they managed to get him there, and they still have him. Now, if I were Sean Marks, I would take the lessons learned, and I would not rush out and try to pick up some other star-type player. Even if it's a slightly lower tier of star in the next few days, I'd be like, you know what? Can we get rid of Ben Simmons and get like one useful player? That might be a good idea. Uh, but I'm I'm not going shopping for for stars or kind of, you know, tier two stars. Ty or friend Ty Windish, our colleague Ty Windish has been tweeting, I think a lot of like interesting ideas that I don't think are the worst thing for the Nets to just go and put like a competitive product out there on the floor in the next few weeks and hope things go their way beyond that. And you're like, Oh, look, look what we did, which is kind of a Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, that kind of player added to the mix with good role players around them and Kevin Durant does that make the Nets an entirely different team and I am inclined to think yes I think one in terms of personality with those guys but at the same time I just wouldn't rush into that and honestly Kevin Durant at this point I mean sure he wants to be part of a team that's very much focused on winning a championship and that he feels the roster moves are aligned with that I'd also say he's sick of all these guys shit like going back to Russell Westbrook at Oklahoma City like I I think he is a guy that you could sell on look we believe you are you are the piece that wins a championship trust us give us X X amount of time if it's another year past this whatever it is but let us put a roster together that's going to play to your skills rather than worrying about what else are we bringing in here and see how that plays out I think that's a better kind of use of what sean Marks has proved to be really good at as an executive like he might be a great executive at that kind of roster building um i'd say that i don't know if he's terrible like i i don't know if getting kyrie irving and james harden and kevin durant together you're like oh what a what a doofus what is he doing like there's a lot there that is so beyond his control even though I don't know if necessarily you or I as executives would be like, yeah, let's get those guys together. They seem like the right guys to group
2: together. Could that be... I don't think that's entirely on marks. I do think ultimately he's... It could come from above him. Exactly. That is the question I would have for the next three plus days of what kind of team does Joe Josai ultimately want here? Because he's opted for the uh bright lights, glitzy parts, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I truly... think I think
3: he'd take a year or two off from that too.
2: I, he had I would to, hope. he has
3: to release all kinds of statements. He ended up in all kinds of situations that he did not foresee when he was like, oh my God, I got to win a championship. This is great. Look at this roster. And all of a sudden, he's just releasing statement after statement after statement. He had the
2: anti-defamation league on line one <laughs> on speed uh, the last six months, Um, not even last six months, probably longer. So yeah, I... I... <laughs> But ultimately, he signed up in all these moves and still wanted to keep Kyrie Irving to a point to whatever. I'm sure we'll have more sides to the story as time passes. But they still wanted to commit to Kyrie Irving to some degree um, within the last week, within the last few days. But they wanted to do it on their terms, and ultimately, that was not going to happen. That was never the moment that you switched. From We're going to operate on our terms after ceding control of, of your terms for the last – since they walked into the building. Then you knew the relationship was going to, to uh, de- uh, deteriorate um in this fashion. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the Nets are ultimately trying to be because they have grabbed the steering wheel after – Letting other people drive it, but
3: well, they've tried to be the Knicks in recent years, which is never a good idea,
2: yeah. Yeah, they've they, oh, and and funnily enough, they have turned out to be the Knicks that yeah. they have whether they indirectly they've the-
3: actually they've managed to do what the Knicks now failed to do because they they did such a terrible job of making it work just like this for so long that <laughs> those big stars will no longer go to the Knicks, but they went to the Nets and the Nets. went look, we can be the Knicks too. <laughs> uh, okay the most relevant part of this deal for us is actually you know before I switch it to briefly talking at the other side Brooklyn Nets as they stand as their roster stands right now so don't read into what they might or may not do in the next few days I feel confident the Celtics are their own thing I know you of all people feel that way things are not quite as you know I don't know. Um, they're not quite the juggernaut the juggernaut they were. But the Celtics are good. I think we're in agreement the Celtics are good. Yeah. If ta- oh if I take the Celtics out of the equation, so you've got Sixers, Nets, Cavs, Heat. Not including the Knicks or the Hawks or any Heat. of that. Uh, I, yeah. you know Okay. Sixers, Nets, Cavs. Rank those teams in terms of who you fear
2: the most, Jordan. Sixers, Nets, Cavs? Yes. Cavs, Sixers,
3: Nets. Wow. So you fear the Cavs the most and the Nets the least.
2: Oh, yeah. I think the Nets are good. I know they have Kevin Durant. I don't think they are that. Huh. I'm not, I'm not, I like, I I don't know. And again, this is subject to change. I don't, do we know that this is going to be the team that they're going to have coming out of the deadline? I,
3: I just asked you to operate with the team that's there right okay. now. So playoff series, for example, if that team is going up against the Sixers, if that team is going up against the Cavs. Or more towards the question, if the team is going up against the books. You're happy. You're sticking with where you are. You're least afraid of the Nets. Bingo. Yes. And Nets. Nets are number one non-Boston for me. I hey. I just don't fall into the trap. But you do. You remember what it was like to watch Kevin Durant, and how we we're all just like. Jesus Christ, can we never see him again in a playoff series? And I always had, like, the the security there of, oh, but he's going to have Kyrie out there, which in theory sounds like it's going to be a problem, but in reality, it's a problem only for the Nets. I don't know if KD can hold up at this stage to carry the full workload that it would take for this team, but you're not going to catch me doubting Kevin Durant over some of the pretenders on these other teams. So I'll, I'll go I'll go Nets. Cavs, because the Cavs is a matchup, is a interesting-slash-problematic one in the Sixers, because, look, Joel Embiid is very good, but the Sixers do not deserve our respect. They've done nothing to earn it over many, many years, so they'll have to change that. If if are to ever treat them any differently, okay. The other side is still. I really only care about the Luca Doncic part of this. Uh, Mark Stein, I believe your your colleague is what you sometimes fellow, refer fellow to as a fellow substacker. Um, <laughs> he noted that. The Mavs did run this by Luka Doncic. I'm always curious with that though. Like, what does that like what does that even mean? You get called into an office? Did you get a phone call? Was it like we're going to trade for Kyrie Irving? Are you happy with that? And he's like, Yeah, sure. I like the, the thing with it is it's just as an organization, you must know that there is a difference even between Asking your franchise player. Would you be happy to play with this guy? Versus knowing what it is going to be like in practice for him to share a team with him for years to come in your best case scenario. I I don't know how they do this. I don't know how they've missed everything that's happened with Kyrie Irving over the last. What are we now? Six? seven years of his career Mm -hmm. this is absolute insanity to me and I say that from the the perspective of a kind of a place where we once were where we're like okay the Bucks have hit the jackpot here Giannis is a player that is coming around once a generation if even that Got to win, you got to keep him. How do you do that? And I have no doubt that the books could have gone down roads and they would have if they presented themselves where they're making some desperation moves at a kind of top end level. But I don't even know who the Kyrie Irving would have been out there at that point.
2: Uh, Kyrie Irving,
3: I you know, that I did, kind of I, I, I considered it, but. That is so much better a place to be, then than it is now.
1: Uh...
3: There's there's a lot of water under the bridge. In fact, there's so much water under that bridge that is now over the bridge. The bridge yeah. is under water, Jordan. And Luka um... Doncic is trying to. He's I I need to cross this river. There used to be a bridge. What's going on here? I I just I don't get it. I would get, well, look, it's a relatively inexperienced general manager, president of basketball operations. I can't remember the exact terminology in use for Nico Harrison in Dallas. Um, It's coming from the player representation side of the game. This feels like decision-making dazzled by the names, dazzled by, just imagine if we put Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic together, and not really focusing on one, sure, for all the great that that could bring in a basketball perspective, there are very clear downsides that come with those two as a basketball fit. Downsides that with this trade, you're actually not helping either. Uh, For example, you really need good, versatile wing defenders, uh, you know, guys like Dorian Finney-Smith. So bringing Kyrie Irving in and shedding that doesn't help you there.
1: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
3: I'm, I'm a little surprised, Jordan, at Mark Cuban for this because he's been around the block a long time. I don't know is it that the Mavs just haven't generally got a chance to do this. And maybe that's what they do. Cause they are always the team where everyone goes in free agency. Oh, the tax breaks and you know, the Mavs have, and look at the Mavs as a franchise. And then nothing really happens. And even when they yeah. get close, you get DeAndre Jordan and ultimately all of that. I don't know. Does that ultimately feed in the point here? But they're like, there's a superstar available. Let's grab them and see what happens. Cause how else do we get one to pair with Luca? But to kind of circle back to what I was saying with KD, like if you've got KD or if you've got Luca, you've got the hardest piece of it all. Job number one is don't piss them off. Don't make their life more difficult. And you're going to have half a chance. You can build the rest from there. And this is just insane T- to the point now where obviously there's been all kinds of dysfunction that's putting it very mildly within that organization over the past two, three years off the court. Um, you only have to look at now what the front office looks like and where it is in terms of experience, who the head coach is. I don't need to say too much on that here. And the one thing they always had is, well, look, at least, at least we've got Luka Doncic. And now this is a move where it's like, this could very plausibly go wrong in the way where you do not have Luka Doncic. And this is the thing where everyone could point back to, and is already pointing to and being
2: like, "Why are you doing that?" I mean, I can remember the days of, uh, not, I don't think there's that much reporting for good moves, but it would be like, I just remember the day that Chris Haynes uh, tweeted that the Bucks were waving Gary Payton to. Um, from his two way, and he said Giannis said to it, was very disappointed with this move, or like when Jason K got fired too, and that he was what was it, distraught or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, I, I do think you make a good point of where Dallas is, and they've always been rumored as like this big shark in free agency, and, you know, including with Chris way back when. And they've never landed that big fish.
3: They're honestly, um, they, they, the fish they've landed like are on a par with the books. Yeah, like for Dallas as a market size, and for all the incentives that are to go there, like Chandler Parsons in the Parsons. lately, is that the is that the biggest free agents like that they've re without kind of retaining some of their own and doing extensions for guys.
2: Yeah, biggest newcomer that I can like think of.
3: Tim Hardaway Jr. Christian Wood and guys like that just don't trades really, too. They're trades, but it just doesn't also move the needle at all. Like just doesn't cut it. If the books if that was the most the books could do, we'd be pretty upset about that. So it's kind of a weird and under discussed thing, which I guess has been masked by getting Luka Doncic, and yeah. the Hawks playing a helping hand, and you getting Luka Doncic.
2: Yeah. And I think that is part of the reason why you make this move now, I guess. I don't know. I, I really... The the Nets got out of more than what they... I, re, I am really surprised by what they got out of this, because... As much as good as of a player as Dorian Finney-Smith is, it's the picks that ultimately just help them whether they actually draft them or not because they just didn't have any. uh um,
3: Dor- Dorian Finney-Smith is more picks if they want, like very with true. that contract.
2: Very true. Um But it, yeah, I, I... they're the they were the team that was. More desperate than the Lakers and had actual players and picks to give them that weren't just you know break free. You can like Westbrook was essentially an expiry, and you break uh, whatever phrase you want to call it, but like it, that's not an appealing offer. <laughs> just to have like oh, yeah, this comes off your books, We you have to go through this for the next couple of months, which for the right team. Russell Westbrook would appeal more than Kyrie Irving, but um yeah. I it is truly remarkable where we are with this and knowing how Kyrie is, I'm sure that there are more checkpoints and more chapters to be written in this crazy story because it is going to continue. It just naturally does.
3: I'm pretty sure he's checking out the grassy knoll to uh, write the next one right now, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um. Shall we talk about the Milwaukee books? Yes. Thank God. Please. Where do you want to start with? Because we can go in a whole bunch of different directions here and all that's good. Um hmm. Where don't don't going? think too hard about it. I don't want this to be too difficult. Let's to talk Drew.
2: On. Let's talk Drew Gideon, uh, an all-star.
3: Drew Alde is an all-star again. The longest gap in NBA history between all-star appearances, a feat that also would have applied to Brook Lopez uh, if he had made it, which is just interesting in its alright, what that says about the books and the construction of their team and the kind of guys that they've managed to pick up. Um... Drew, I I don't think has ever, I don't feel like his star has ever really fallen that low. He just happens to be at one of the most competitive positions for the All-Star Game because a lot of guys who are not very good when it comes to helping their teams to win are very entertaining, put up lots of points, and will make the All-Star Game year in and year out. That was part of why in the last episode we were very pessimistic about this. Uh, you did think he was going to be next man in if there are any replacements, which with the Steph Curry news, um, we're we're right into replacement time for the All Star game as is. But no, he and made it in.
2: Kyrie, depending on how they do that, too.
3: No, that's all. That's all good. He'll because it's not East versus West, so he was oh, picked that's true, for yeah. the East, but it doesn't actually matter. So he will count as an Eastern Conference All Star, but. It doesn't actually matter once they get there. Um yeah, I was very happy, very happy to, to see this news. And I guess it just comes down to the thing that we've talked about a lot, which is the level of respect that there is for Drew Holiday among coaches around the league, among players around the league, is that's really what gets you over the line in this case.
2: Yeah. I was shocked. Um in part because of who else was very deserving of this, of All-Star, of or getting an All-Star berth. Um, Jalen Brunson being essentially
3: whose spot, I guess, Drew got by consensus here.
2: Yeah, and I would probably credit him more with the Knicks being competitive than Julius Randle, but that's just me being my two cents there. Um, but yeah, I'm very... <laughs> very excited to see drew i just like see i mean Giannis. we take it for granted that he just is going to be in the all-star game every year and even to the degree that he's going to be a captain because this is his third time being a captain so we're just like uh oh, that's great oh well, come on we're i not, know we're i know about it. i know but i well i don't i think there are some people that just kind of take it for granted now I wouldn't take it for granted because I'm like, not one of those people.
3: We're a few, we're a few years away and that could be like a few short years or a few long years. Either way, we're a few years away for probably a very long drought where that is not the reality for the books, let alone the captain thing. Cause that's definitely not going to be the reality mm-hmm. for probably 50 years. Uh, if we're to go by, by history, but, just having All-Stars. Like, you remember. You remember what that was like to just be like, can we just get an All-Star here? Brandon Knight like is Windisch... so
2: more deserving than Kyle Korver. That was a legitimate argument. That was in... a Ty Windish impression. It Ty was... will still make that argument today.
3: He's would... going to be in your mentions the second he hears this not... podcast.
2: First of all, I would say I side with you, Ty. I would also say I don't. Probably... So There's crazy. probably someone else more deserving of Brandon Knight and Kyle Corver that didn't get in that year that we probably forget already. but um, Kyle Corver deserved it. How dare you.
3: I was there. I was there. I was watching. I was in the <laughs> trenches.
2: LCD sound system. I was there when Brandon <laughs> Knight could have been. <laughs> um, But to your point of Drew uh, and Rohan Kadi our fellow GSPN colleague and sub-stacker um. Uh, pointed this Just out to try me. On
3: the substack, he is. I'm gonna. i um, gonna have to do some research on that. My own research. Oh yes. To
2: continue the theme of today, um, he tipped this off to me. I'm not saying that he broke this news to everybody else, but this is news to me that he has the Drew has the longest gap of. All star births, and if you really think about it, too, and or and your point like enhances this of like, Drew has just been the same guy. It's there has been you know mitigating circumstances to this, where I want to say he missed good chunk of time time in the first couple of seasons when he was with the Pelicans. Um, missed the start of the uh, of twenty sixteen seventeen with the Pelicans because his wife had a brain tumor. Um, obviously that will affect your availability to become an All-Star. And, you know, obviously the Pelicans' su- successor or lack thereof. Yeah, for... the,
3: the Pelicans just generally affected his chances to become an All-Star. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, Drew's just been the same guy. It's just, you know, whether circumstances that he can control or, uh basically every other factor that he couldn't control <laughs> um, played in, into the role of why he was an all-star um, for that long. But it, I don't know. There's something about that that is worth celebrating because to go that long between all-star appearances and to essentially be like how we talk about Drew Holiday then to how we talk about Drew Holiday now isn't really disorderly different. Um, sure. He's a better player. He's, you can look at numbers. He's a better three-point shooter, especially since he's come to Milwaukee. Um, obviously playing on a winning team helps a whole bunch. Uh, and just the experience that comes with being the league for this long, but that is something to be celebrated. I think that's even as much as I thought that Brooke wasn't even going to come close to being an all-star, the fact that you are still this good at, you know, your mid thirties when, You've been in the league for 15, 16 years. Drew's been in the league for 13, 14 years. Um, That is kind of crazy. I I know it's not a a LeBron tier or um, even some of the guys like James Harden.
3: It's it's honestly more impressive because you're not the generational player who you're not the surefire Hall of Famer who you're seeing your whole career true you are making all-star games as a young player and as an old player, you might only have two to your name. Like, there, there's something very impressive about that for longevity, for consistency, and for the kind of player you are. And yeah, I think that absolutely, that applies for Drew and it it applies for Brook and just being somewhat in the mix and us making a case for him and him being that bit older too. Yeah, I, I didn't kind of agree with that. I think it's more impressive. I mean, not to say, like, I'm not impressed by what's... LeBron got 20 now.
2: Has to be right. It's gotta be. I mean, uh, I think this is 19. 19 because this is this would be his 20th. I'm trying to what, yeah, I was just trying to work out the
3: years on that. Um, like, yeah, that's impressive, but you also you're LeBron James and you came into the league as LeBron James. And if you stay healthy, well there's kind of an expectation that you'll be that until the day you're retired. It's very different when you're never going to get in on fan votes. When as much as you've always been good to just to hold on at that level, it's tough. And I watch like particularly with Drew, like you're talking about getting to this point, you've got a whole generation of like young point guards who've come along behind them and have completely changed kind of the outlook of the position in the league and to still be beating some of those guys out for that spot, that is impressive. So, yeah, very, very, very happy for Drew. Brooke, look, we knew that. I think we focused most of the conversation on Brooke on the last pod because if it really felt like that was the one that, like the numbers, the numbers just aren't there. They're not going to give it someone averaging like 14, 15 points per game in spite of all of the, the context that there is around that. I mean, the, the reality is it's going to take it's gonna take a lot of injuries to make it all the way to Brook. And even then, I don't know. I just don't have faith in the, the commissioner picks ever getting to a player like that with numbers like that. But ultimately, we we know how great Brook is. We appreciate the season he's put together so far. And we hope there will be some, uh, some larger recognition for that come the end of the season. Still some time to play out on that one. But certainly based on where you and I were the other day, to have the Bucks return with multiple All-Stars is very exciting. Heading to the All-Star game in Salt Lake City. Yes. All right. We talk about the Bucks winning lots of games and Giannis averaging over 40 points and Chris Milton looking great and Giannis dropping 54 and saying he was going to eat 54 Culver's burgers, which definitely different to... I, I, I know he was just trying to flip up. I'm not doing free ads here, by the way one just snuck in there it got the better of me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say the other one that Yannis won't promote anymore um (laughs) but his previous instance of this kind of gorilla marketing slash attempts to get free food was more manageable not that it would be manageable for a mere mortal but it was more manageable than this in my mind
2: yeah, once upon a time, maybe the Thon Maker Diet uh, had fifty-four burgers from an unnamed Wisconsin-based. Chain. You could say I've
3: already done it. It's out of the bag, so it's out of no. the bag. So we we will accept the bag. I mean, yeah. Culver's <laughs> Culver's would be very generous in uh, in light of this, and if they want to extend that generosity to they're us, they're very
2: so... they're very friendly to put their you know let's just put win six on that marquee you know what i mean like win six best podcast ever 54 burgers <laughs> sure what about 386 oh yes for the for the number of i was like 386 386 for the number of podcast episodes we've done i mean i would I bu- Listen, I believe I'm getting word.
3: I'm getting word here that this is going to happen. So follow us on social media. We're going to have 386 burgers to give away. Um, it won't be like a redemption scheme. We will already have the burgers, and we'll have to, you know, mail them to you or whatever. But <laughs> anyway, we've got we got sidetracked here. Um, Yara yeah, scored 54 points, and the books came back from more than 20 oh, down. That's... Yes. To beat the Clippers. Um in what feels like one of the most important games of the season to date for how they beat the Clippers. In that the defense found another gear entirely, very much fueled by Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews has been playing much better lately, but this was certainly the final possession. Eye popping. Um the kind of defense that I guess we were questioning. Does he still have that? Is he completely done? Maybe, maybe Bud knows what he's doing after all, Jordan. Maybe, maybe there's life in the old dog yet. Applying to both player and coach.
2: Mm-hmm. They got he got gave Kawhi a, a taste of his own medicine, if you will.
3: Kawhi, Kawhi hasn't moved as fast as Wes Matthews is moving in
2: quite a long time. No. No, 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 no. No, that was a that was quite the comeback. Um, obviously Giannis just being Giannis uh really helped that. But Chris, even with his minutes cap, um putting in some big shots. Uh Drew, I know it wasn't like the greatest game for him, but still making his mark. He's always good for turning it on when you need it it to be turned on. Yeah. Um Wes Matthews. Has really picked it up since Bobby's been down, um, and yeah, I mean that possession said it all. Uh, even hit was that the game that he hit a couple threes too. Um, he's always good for a couple threes, uh, save for the Miami game or now Miami game, Nava standing, but yeah, uh, I, he he was zero
3: for four. Ah, I take it back. So he's a, always good. A couple of threes, except when he's good for zero trees.
2: But, you know, he's also good for not giving up threes. Uh, he was three also
3: oh for 1 from deep against the heat. Just just got to get out in front of this.
2: You know, he's always good for a three here and there. That's, <laughs> what, I was, that's what I've learned.
3: Once every say. three games, I'm pretty sure. That's if we were to expand this. I don't even know if that's actually true. But listen, who needs to make Three pointers. If you're just mm-hmm. you're gonna stop the opponents from doing, not just score trees from doing anything. My favorite West Matthews play of the game. Maybe I should put it to you. What do you think my favorite West Matthews play of the game was? It's something that I've always been particularly fond of him for. I believe I wrote about it when he first signed with the Bucks in his first stint. Um. Could that be true? Was I still writing then? I don't know. Time's... You were
2: still writing. That would have been your last season.
3: Okay. Th- then, then I definitely did. There's a I there's don't... a trick that he has in his arsenal that very few players have, but he is he is elite. He is an elite in a way that is comical to look at when he executes it. And there's one really fun sequence of
2: this game. Remind me what it is, because I have I'm trying to play. When he case.
3: gets posted up by a man twice his size, and it just does not bother him. So it was something that the player who West Matthews used to torture when he tried to post up was Kristaps Porzingis, dating back mm. to um West Matthews' time with the Mavericks, Porzingis' time with the Knicks. For whatever reason, it was a thing that happened across multiple games that. The Knicks would try to get Porzingis working inside. The Mavs would go, okay, we'll put Wes Matthews on him. Porzingis would go, great, I've got this tiny little guard on me. And then he would fail to move Wes Matthews at all. I, with Porzingis, I guess that's one thing, because we're all familiar with his frame. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, he's really tall. He's seven two, right? But is he, is he the strongest big man around? I feel like Avika Zubac, he's a a pretty strong big. And there was just a classic. This is textbook. Just giving me joy because I'm like, okay, well, that is like, that's the West matches of a few years ago. We were like, oh, these are the kind of things you come in, key defensive minutes. He can do this for you, but he can also do this. And that was part of rounding it out because, yeah, you get the incredible on-ball defense against Kawhi to finish the game but you're also having him get the better of Zubac in the post you're like oh okay so the complete west Matthews defensive experience is still there so that was the one that really got me kind of quite excited i was like oh okay like this is this is real and even the varied nature of his defense makes it feel more sustainable too it just seems like okay he still got that maybe it can only be for certain games certain situations but it is in there if the books need it
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's part of why, you know, when we talk about the old Wiley vets, whether it's him or George um, in particular, I. We're so quick to like throw, and I'm definitely guilty of this too. We're so quick to throw the, you know, dirt on their, on their grave, so to speak, where it's like, they're cooked. They're you know one bad matchup, and it's true. Like I, I want to say, probably one of the big, it was probably the Christmas Day game where Wes, because of the nature of where the injuries were, and um, you know the rotation was you're gonna have to rely on him to either guard Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at times, and you're gonna look slow compared to guys that are in their prime. Um, in Tatum, an MVP candidate, whether he's you know the highest MVP candidate, you could debate, but still, a very I just to get in there, he's not,
3: but he is an MVP candidate. Continue. He's the top
2: player in the league that I'll just say, it like, your Celtics
3: ex- agenda can't go eject. No, I, I don't have
2: an agenda, I'm on to you, Missoula. I... I'm somersaulting towards you. Um, you can't do that. That's what I'm going to say to him when it comes time to touching Larry O'Brien's trophy because they can't do that. They're not allowed. They're not. Will Jason
3: Tatum be in the royal family of MVP contenders?
2: I've never heard of him. The only royal family that I've heard of is Giannis, Chris, and Drew. Nice. Well, well handled on multiple levels there. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: uh, what
3: were we talking about? <laughs> West Marius? We're talking about West I choose defense, or to chase Jason,
2: yes. Um, basically, my point was we're very quick to like say they're cooked or you know it's past time. And yes, they do the can the bucks if you they got an upgrade as a uh wing defender, um, not or someone named like K Drowder or something like that. I don't know. Um, would I welcome that? Yeah, because I think it's an upgrade on what they have, but. I still think having vets like Wes Matthews and George Hill can be can be valuable. It's possible to have a world where both are on your team and more reinforcements the better. I, I guess that's where I, I lie on this.
3: We're guilty of the thing that uh we try not to be guilty of, but we generally are where we went, Oh yeah, I said fifty-four points. What about the burgers? And then we started talking about Wes Matthews. So, to bring it back to Giannis here, <laughs> um, in this seven-game win streak for the Bucks, which of course has coincided with Chris Middleton's return as well, Giannis is averaging 39.4 points per game on 60.5% for the field, 35.7% from deep, 60.4% for the free throw line, which is lower than the season average, so This, we're going to need you to pick that up, bud. You know, there's there's room for improvement here. 14.7 rebounds, 5.0 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks, four turnovers. Um, in 32.8 minutes, I shouldn't leave that one out. Averaging Mm -hmm. just under 40 points in under 33 minutes per game, he's just all conquering, and. To see him take it to this extreme against that team with the defenders they have. I know that was not their approach to defending him throughout the game. We're going to bring Stan Van Gundy in in a minute. He's going to talk to us all about the different defensive looks the Clippers gave to Janos. But it's pretty exciting. I mean, that this applies to Giannis. This also applies to just the wider kind of sense of the books. I think watching Giannis and how he produced that obviously brings back memories of game six of the finals. But I do think on the whole, that entire book's performance very much had the spirit and the energy and the kind of, oh, well, we are equipped to grind out these wins feeling that the games in that season had. And to some extent, I don't know how much of that we've seen since. I think part of that is someone like Wes Matthews playing in the way he does, because that's giving you some of the PJ Tucker energy and something that the Bucks were able to work with. But I think overall we are seeing this kind of confluence of factors where it's like, okay, well, Giannis is quite clearly the best player on the planet. That's a good starting point. But also everything else is clicking in the in the ways you need them to click in around him. And what that means is yeah, even if he's going to have to do a lot of it on his own, you're going to be able to support him in all the other ways that are required to ensure that what he is doing on his own will get you across the line. So, I mean, you always want to see a, a contender have to grid out some games against a really good team and win them ugly. This was that kind of on steroids, though. So I couldn't have asked her much more from the books than to win this game even though when ultimately you look back on it it's like did they play well not at all <laughs> not at all they played pretty terribly throughout the game but in some ways that's something to be more optimistic about than some of the just you know oh great performance here or there that we've seen to
2: this point in the year yeah yeah i, I mean their offense has been so overwhelming um Giannis has been a big part of that obviously recently that when it comes time to play in the muck and have to carry yourself out of a twenty point plus deficit at times, they can do it. It's that is from where we were talking about the Bucks over this Bud era of their front runners or the criticisms that would be placed on them of like when they punch them out, they don't know how to counter. It's like they can win at this point with all the players that they have and how far along they are. This the fifth year of of the Bud era. And on top of that, where everybody has learned from all those big mistakes that when you have everybody healthy, uh, big mistakes, such as state losses, these guys like Giannis, I know we fall in love and I know one of our questions about uh, his scoring is about like, he's shooting the ball better, be more willing from three, even though that, you know, can be queasy at some, sometimes it just doesn't matter when you can get to the rim 20 times a game and make 80% of those shots. It doesn't matter if you have a Vika Zubach, who's not like a brick Lopez type guy, but he's very big and it's hard to displace him from where he's defending, uh, which is primarily in front of the hoop and have him fall out and can't guard any, like can't block your shot. It's stuff like that that just keeps happening. I mean, even happened in the Heat game. I know it wasn't fifty-four points or anything like that, but like, Bam is probably as good of a rim defender on Giannis in recent years, and it just really didn't matter. Um, I just it it is crazy just how relentless he can be, and we know all the injuries and just the punishment it takes to to that he takes on a nightly basis and to just keep coming and coming and coming towards the rim and all that stuff it's just the guy the guy is he's a monster he's unique in that way yeah he really is i mean
3: i the only thing i wonder we touched on i guess in the last episode of did he benefit from some of that time out? Did the Bucks maybe let him rest up a little bit more in that time after injury? Maybe they should do it again before the season's out? Like, let's let's see how things go. Let's get Chris back. And if you find yourself with a friendly stretch in the schedule, maybe, maybe he just feels that knee a little bit for a few games and we get him some more rest because I don't think this has done him any harm. And we're going to pivot over to the mailbag now. But before we do, Jordan, I want to do something that is not um the usual for winning six uh people can you know just excuse me this indulgence for a couple of minutes if if i didn't have other plans and was not going to be out of the country later this week i would come on another Eurostep podcast network show to just to, to make this point i want to talk about aaron rogers jordan that's what i'll talk about and uh, I can't be around for talking to Tundra this week, but I I need to I need to draw attention to this. I need to be an ombudsman of some sort. Aaron Rodgers, um, I'll I'll read you a quote. This is a pretty big deal for me. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's what he's talking about after his latest big win. Jordan, Aaron Rodgers claimed the pro am title at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am, playing with Ben Silverman, a PGA Tour professional that I will admit. As a weekly PJ Tour Watcher, I have never heard of before. Um, Ben Silverman, not making a whole lot of noise on the professional leaderboard this week, Jordan. So how, you might ask, is Aaron Rodgers winning this tournament? How are they winning a 26-under? I think something fishy is going on, Jordan. That's all that's I got with this.
2: Well... <laughs> What uh? What is fishy about Aaron Rodgers winning the Pro Am tour? Or I'm glad
3: you. I'm glad you asked, Jordan. I'm Thank glad you me. asked. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been playing off a of handicap of ten this week in the ATT t Pebble Beach Pro Am. Do you know what handicap Aaron Rodgers usually plays off? At, not uh, only do I, not Free Bay know what... Country Club, I believe, where he plays. Yes, his golf as a member.
2: Not only do I not At least for knows... the moment.
3: at least for the moment.
2: Oh, well, that was a big stir a couple of years ago. Um, not only do I not know what his handicap I also as a golf novice do not you don't know, know what handicap. a handicap is yes. yes
3: so Pebble Beach one of the tree courses this week it's par 72 right you know what par is of shots yes. you're supposed to get around the course here. that's lower than par you're doing great higher than par you're not doing so great your handicap is how many extra shots you're being given so based on oh, your ability, so if you're the, par just the par is seventy-two, you're hitting, exactly. and
2: you're ten over, you're hitting, So
3: hitting, right? eighty-two would be the equivalent to a par yes. score for an amateur and a pro am, as a seventy-two would be for the professional or yes. for an amateur playing off scratch. So three point five is Aaron Rodgers' handicap, and yet yeah, he gets to Pebble Beach, and he's got ten shots. So he's got an extra six and a half shots around of what his handicap is. And turns out, if you give a guy an extra six and a half shots, I know he sometimes turns those down, but this occasion, he did not turn them down and he's gone home with the trophy. Just feel like we need to talk about it. I'm putting it out there. You and Numack can pick it up later in the week, talk about it in greater detail. Uh, maybe, Maybe he'll be like... I wonder, can I get closer to California to be able to play with a 10 handicap all the time, Jordan? Maybe this is going to be an important part in this story. So I just felt like I had to use this opportunity to bring it up, to get, to get the word out there to the masses. Well,
1: I'm, for the glad that
2: I'm glad that he's bringing home a trophy. Trophy uh, in, in, February. in February. That's <laughs>
3: what he lives for. That's what yep. he said. This is a pretty big deal for me. I'm not going sugarcoat it. He described it as a bucket list item. Yeah.
2: Great for 12. That's his new handicap, actually. 12.
3: <laughs> okay, onto to the mailbag. Sorry for people of no interest in either the Green Bay Packers and or the PGA Tour. Uh, from at Ewing and Oz when the books trade Middleton for Kyrie do you think that'll finally unlock 30 minutes a night for future all-star Marjan Beauchamp Uh...
2: darn Dallas got to it first
3: (laughs) yeah the books would never have done that and the answer would have been no anyway Um, from at Ewing and Oz again is it just me or is Giannis taking and hitting face up mid-rangers with a lot more confidence and frequency I don't know, because this is a shot we know he's got, and when he gets into a rhythm with it, we see him going strong runs like this. I mean, this is one of the stronger runs over a kind of approaching a ten-game stretch he's ever had in his career. So maybe it is fair this year, but it's um... not. It's not a complete anomaly. I don't feel like like we know this is a shot he likes, works on a lot, maybe just as much as any shot over the years, and that he has a real. Level of comfort to it.
2: Yeah. I mean, at this point, we've seen him improve his mid range game, whether that shows on the court or not, over, you know, meaningful stretches. His free throw shooting has improved. Same thing. Whether that stays consistent over a meaningful stretch is the key. Three point shooting, even to some degree, it varies from game to game. Um, th- this is just the nature of his of where we are. It's always going to be the question. Um, As great as he is as getting downhill and attacking the rim relentlessly, as we talked about before, his shooting from beyond the paint is basically the big question when those walls go up or, you know, you're seeing zone defenses or any kind of defensive look um, come playoff time. And that's the key. Uh, I don't know. I, I, as much as it is good to see or be encouraged by his recent run of form that way, it's going to have the ups and downs. Um, it's just a matter of that timing being right because that <laughs> it's those margins that can easily break or make or break your playoff run. Or if your offense looks as good as it does for the bucks, you know, and how that translates in a post-season setting, because that is the biggest key every year under Bud, um, Their offense just takes a hit. And part of that is because of Giannis. Um, There's other, obviously, bigger factors every year. But yeah, that's just where I am. I'm not, I can't be, you can't get too high, you can't get too low about where, how Giannis is looking as a jump shooter because we've been through this before.
3: From James, Ontario 12. Does Kyrie to the Mavs at all bother your Luca fandom? I don't know if this is directed at IRA specifically. I think we both like Luca, right? What's, what's not to like generally about he's very, very good basketball player who's fun to watch? Um, It would, if I was like a diehard Luca fan, this would bother my Luca fandom quite a lot because his life is about to become absolute misery. So <laughs> if that was the case, it would bother me. I guess on the other side, if we're talking about being, you know, being Luca fans, from a non-Mavs perspective, I guess if people want to dream a dream, and this is a pipe dream for the Bucks, that at any point, well, he could come and play for your team, well, the chances of that are certainly greater than they were a few hours ago. So I guess they're the two ways it could factor in. Um, again, for James Ontario 12, how can we develop a similar role to what Chris Middleton is doing off the bench for us? I don't know, does this mean when Chris is starting again, that someone else could fill a role like that. Like Ingles?
2: Ingles or... is kind of the way they could do it. Or be how in... to keep it rolling with Chris when he his minutes get, when he gets more and more minutes.
3: Well, I, I mean, personally, I'm less worried about that. I think they'll work that out. Yeah, I think yeah. the ideal scenario is Ingles, that his role is kind of being jolted around a little bit at the moment because of Chris coming back but essentially taking his role um, even though it's just a short-term measure so that's one that's going to be interesting to see as it plays out but even then I mean yeah Chris Milton is really good in that role because he's exceptionally overqualified for it and it would be an incredible luxury to have a player that overqualified for it kind of night in or night out, where that's the best fit, the best use of all your players. Um, and also I think where it's at that position with that kind of skill set, like, I mean, Bobby Portis has been given them the kind of production that Chris has been given them. You know, that's, that's yeah. kind of in line with Bobby's season, but I do think there is something different about it when it's a, when it's like a scoring wing and it's someone who is capable of creating and um, that that adds a different dynamic as a kind of six man like figure, which is where hopefully Joe Ingalls is going to continue to try for the books this season. And with the ball in his hands, he can he can give you that not so much the kind of. Multi-level scoring wing, but someone who can kind of attack with purpose and probe the opposing defense and be able to make everyone around him better. From a Logan I fifty four, what would Cash have to do to be the second greatest book of all time? My gut reaction to this is not a whole lot. The gap is not massively large at this point. It's gonna. It's also. It's one where it's. It's very difficult to quantify how are we how are we quantifying greatest book of all time This is a <laughs> a conversation you and I have had for many different purposes over many different years and I know personally my own criteria for that has evolved at times um I was once for example, I I once made the case, And I I don't feel like, oh, that was dumb, that Sidney Moncrief was the greatest book of all time because of what he represented for the franchise. And kind of part of his thing is he gets punished legacy-wise because he didn't get the championship. Now, that may be fair, that may be unfair, but he oversaw a period of continued excellence. So what I think is inferred here, and at this point everyone is in agreement on Giannis is the greatest book of all time, That it's Kareem two, Sydney Moncrief three, Chris four, whatever whatever order you want to put those guys in. Yeah. I think
2: that that's it now, right?
1: Yeah,
2: I think that's your Mount Rushmore. I, I don't think it's even
3: where is it? Where is he for that's you? So full, is he is that's he a full
2: Stephen Bardo? But I don't think it's, I don't even know who would be fifth.
3: It's tough. There's no one you might be Marcus, and he doesn't have the longevity, so. or Dandridge. You're you're yeah, into that, that tier of of kind of guys, Junior Bridgman. If you like go longevity, but not didn't have the high end production of Marcus or to a slightly lesser extent Dandridge. Is Chris ahead of Sid for you right now? Um. There's a the championship trade-off there, depending on what way you want to go with it, is the thing.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Again, the, the biggest thing, too, is um, we weren't alive when Sidney Moncrief was playing basketball, but... Um, well, and
3: he, we, we, didn't, we weren't around... around did, did I was I, not. No, actually, neither was I. He yeah. retired few
2: months before I was born, Probably. I believe.
3: Um I wasn't even close to a lie for his actual heyday though.
2: Yeah. So it's relying on a lot of anecdotes of the few clips that we can find of his playing career on YouTube and stuff like that. But it's it's such a and even comparing what Sydney Moncrief was to Chris is kind of just very different. They're not their archetype of player is very, very... And
3: their different. their function within their team. Yes, is... yeah. I don't... I When I think of that now, I don't think he is. But if the Bucks go and win another championship, he... He is ahead of Moncrief, and he probably is also ahead of Cream then, because you've got two championships. So, like, I, I think that's how close it is, not to suggest that that's some small feat that can be achieved. Otherwise, if he can continue to contribute at a really high level and his game can age quite well, something we have questions and concerns over for a variety of reasons, mostly health-based, like, if he ends up having the, the longevity and beyond that of what Moncrief had in terms of time with the team... And also the longevity of success that Moncrief had, and he also has a championship to go with it. Like when all said and done, he will be two. That's not to say that like Cream jabbar isn't a better player than Chris, but I mean, it's greatest greatest book. And I think if you've if you yeah, build it's out if, his career. if if Chris's career gives you like. 8 years of the bucks as a true contender and it, at least one championship to show for it maybe another finals appearance or another championship whatever it might be like that's that's impossible to look past in terms of giving the best about worlds you know giving the best about worlds of what's what's around there so he is he's close it's the, in the territory that being close is one thing. What it takes to actually leap past either of those guys is another thing, mm-hmm. but he is close. Yeah. I don't. you're, you're feeling less comfortable at this the moment that I fully understand and appreciate why, but I don't think there. I don't think there's a good case he made. Uh, if Chris gets a second championship, that that he's not number two.
2: Yeah. I understand
3: that we have years worth of work and a multi-part documentary that will unpack some of this at a later date. (laughs) But that, thankfully, is not the central question of our work. It's true, Uh, yes. Yes. But I, I I do think when it will ultimately come down to like greatest book, if Chris sees this out and it's all you know, roses and rocking chairs when he's finishing up, <laughs> and he's got two championships and in his Harley
2: Davidson motor- motorcycles.
3: I I think that's kind of unimpeachable in a way that, as you know, Jordan Kareem Abdul jabbars legacy as a Milwaukee book is a little bit more complicated and ultimately also I this is something um, I think it was I think it was Matt Moore, HB Basketball had, tweeted this a couple of days ago and I, I was like oh I haven't really given thought to this but the question was along the lines of how many teams in the NBA currently have their all time greatest franchise player playing for them which obviously Giannis is one Steph Curry is another one I'm now going to blank on others that I have had before that. Damian Lillard is getting close, although Drexler has got some edge there. Maybe in other ways, I don't know. That's that one's close. I'm forgetting someone really obvious. Zach Levine, the Bulls. But
0: oh, I, I just, I, corners. I think
3: the way, the way that. You're trying really hard to distract me here. If Chris sees this true and remains good with the books and the books remain competitive, the thing that he will also have in his favor in a Sydney Moncreve way that works too, I think, is everyone, like every basketball fan around the league, when his name comes up, they will associate him as a Milwaukee book. Yeah. And that also is a big Just deal. Just like Doug
2: McDermott and the San Antonio Spurs. Sorry,
3: I was enjoying that conversation. Jordan. just opting out. Jordan's just <laughs> opting out. Jordan, it's a chance for us to talk about the stuff we're passionate about. Uh, From A.T. Evans Barton, what are your thoughts on Joe Ingalls' role since Chris came back? Seems like they're not using him on ball enough, which makes sense because Chris is getting a lot of those reps, but feels like you're not getting the most out of him just using him as a spot-up shooter in the corner. I think that's fair. I'm just not worried about it because I think there's a clear hierarchy of priorities. Yeah. And right now the priority is let's get Chris's reps in, let's get him right, and let's get him back into the starting lineup. And when that happens, Joe's role should generally take care of itself. I do think he's playing very well generally. There have been a couple of not so great games lately and some ups and downs, which honestly I think you just expect of a player of that age anyway. And um, but I'm not I'm not overly concerned with how he's looking with that given the change up. And I think all of that will slot seamlessly back into place. And it'll be a true mission accomplished for the books. If Chris holds up, they get Chris back into the starting lineup looking good. That was the biggest concern really left for the books this season. And it's not that long from us doing pods that were getting pretty concerned about that. Yeah. And it's as simple as, Oh, work that out. And they win seven in a row. And they they're coming up with signature wins. And Yanos looks better than he's been all year. Like, so I, I think the decision they've made, which is, yeah, this probably puts Joe Ingalls out for a little while, but it's increasing the chance of getting the best out of Chris.
2: Uh, that's that's
3: one that was the right call I'm in support of.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um it all sort itself out. I, I don't think there's any other better way to say it. <laughs>
3: From at hindust11900842. I always love all the numbers, Jordan. And we make a deep playoff run and maybe win the title with this roster. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Just as a reminder for anyone who asks us that question, go back and uh, look at the roster that the books actually won the title with. Mm. <laughs> yes. And and the lack of depth that that roster had I expect a move in the next few days but if the move doesn't come about for one reason or another I don't think the book should be panicking particularly right now and I don't expect them to be panicking particularly right now because your priority in terms of moves yeah you want to get a J Crowder-esque figure you want to make yourself even better in terms of the things that have to happen have to happen it's kick Serge Ibaka to the curb and that's it. Yeah. Like, that's Absolutely. it. And then with that roster spot, if if that ends up being, okay, we're not getting Jay Crowder via trade, we're going to have to try and add someone via the bio market. fine. Like, you want to get rid of Serge Ibaka. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. So, other than that, if this is kind of the general shape of it, sure, I I think they could. Um health is important in that. We need Chris to stay healthy. We need to get Bobby back and have him slot back in as well. It it is the fact that like this is happening now and Bobby's out and Chris is not even playing full minutes. And look how good this team is, which is probably a worthwhile reminder of just you know, let's try and get everyone out there together. It doesn't always work like that. Some years you cannot get everyone out there together, but if the Bucks can. I think there's no stopping them. I think they're far and away the best team in the NBA and have a roster that would be the envy
2: of everyone else. I would agree with that. We're having all the pieces come together. Um, Important. It's, <laughs> there is no, could their wing defense be improved? Could they have another big man? Could they have another ball handler? They can always use more of these things, but I think from what they are building off right now and where the roster is at, um, plus Bobby when he gets healthy, it's good enough to compete for a title. To add to that would be a luxury, but that's when you have that's what happens when you have all the big pieces covered, and then it's about just add a little seasoning in there. And then, and then, um,
3: it's kind of our, our wider point at the season, which is. You know, the things that annoy people about Grayson Allen become a much smaller problem when you don't have to focus on Grayson Allen as much, and we're seeing that at the moment, and I think that just kind of the knock-on effect of that for every single guy throughout the roster. It's already there for all to be seen. If they get Bobby back as well, it'll be even clearer. So, fingers crossed on that front. From a Scott Portal, no question. I'm just happy we're still playing out the season and having fun. Since the Celtic won the finals in December and Embiid won the MVP in January. You're right, Scott. I'm glad we are still playing at the season and having fun. Boy, are we having fun. <laughs> From a David Dunn 21, just, you know, I will advise the listener. I will not try to perform it in this case, but I will advise the listener that this is in all caps. I know that will surprise you given the tweeter in question, but. Many people are saying that Chris Middleton looks better as a sixth man, which I've been saying for years, but the fake news failed to report on. Now that his minutes are low, his efficiency is high, and Kyrie Irving had to flee to Texas. Sad. I don't know what I've got here. Uh, (laughs) There's certainly some performance art here. I see what this tweet is trying to do.
2: Jay Crowder, like, all caps here, too.
3: Sure, I'm pretty sure that's who it was going for. Um, I don't remember the tweeter in question saying that Chris Middleton would be a better sixth man. I don't specifically remember that part of the argument over the years, and I don't think it's true now. Um, I just think he he's looking good because he's getting healthy and things are working well. So, um, yeah, I would like the guy who was second, third, whatever you want to call it one of their top three players on the team that won the championship to get back to being one of their top three players in the starting lineup and for them to win another championship. And maybe we'll get to see that. Lastly, from at Steve Pelly, Bucks are on another winning streak, so it might be a thing to forget about old Bobby Portis or even seem as expendable before the deadline. How does Bobby fit into this Bucks team that has it humming? Does he get more minutes than Crowder? half serious. I'm afraid to answer a question like this because this feeds too closely into things that I've been saying for years. I say them occasionally still and then people get mad at me. I'm just saying it as it is. Uh I love body, Bobby even uh sure body just the general concept of body You've got a, I'm a fan. paragraph. Uh, yeah, that too. Um, He's not expendable. I certainly, that's, I know that's not meant sincerely in the question. I wouldn't go that far. The truth though, and maybe the somewhat harsh truth to an extent is that Clippers game and the way they focus, like that Clippers game and the way the lineup goes, that is exactly the kind of situation where you do not see him on the floor, where net series, net series on the way to the championship. And there's a reason for that, and that's fine. And that's if he's good with that, and he's going to give you everything he's got, and you know he is when his number is called, and you try to put him out there, that's fine. um, But there are moments and there are series that are for him, and there are moments in series that aren't. A Jay Crowder two, I think a point you made earlier as well, like just leaves you better prepared for that. You know, you yeah. just, you have the extra options. So it becomes, Oh, okay. Well, this isn't the series for Bobby. We don't need to worry about that as this massive loss. We're down one of our best players because there's enough really good players there that you're still coming out way ahead of most other teams.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's going sort of to vary serious to serious because you're going to need Bobby's offense. You're certainly going to need big man depth because beyond Brooke, um, Giannis is the lone center um, on this roster. If you're playing really small and he's gotten better at it when they've had obviously all the players that are uh, really key to the bucks winning the title um, available and healthy, but it's not a job that I would like Giannis to play more than, you know, a stretch here or there. He can't do it that way. That's not how he's built. Um, He needs to have a, you know, a true big man like that. And Bobby's not a true big man in that sense, but they've gotten it down where they could kind of, you know, for here and there, and if they want to play small, but they don't really lose size. Um, Having those two on the floor at the same time with good wing defenders with Capable ball handlers can really help the Bucks, and you know, play against the Celtics or whoever. Um But yeah, it's 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 to put any number on it on what he looks like when team is fully healthy or if the Bucks get Jake Crowder, like it will vary from si- series to series because not all opponents are the same, obviously. So um all I will say is I think he's going to look good when he's playing, and then if you make that tactical decision where you're going to have to live uh with not having his defense on the floor and lose his offense, then so be it. But that's the case for players of his caliber who really good role players, but obviously have deficiencies that you just have to insulate uh for stretches of time.
3: Yeah. Let's say if the, the muted, how did I Guess it's been both trade for uh Jay Crowder was to come about and they were to send out not just Serge Ibaka but Jordan Mora, George Hill to make the salary work on that. It's gonna give you two open roster spots. Uh the books will go after whoever is, and it'll likely not be the perfect solution or anything close to it. But whoever is the closest thing to uh traditional defensive big who would be available on the market. If they've opened roster spots, that will be what the books will look for because there will be series where that is not the gig for Bobby in this playoffs. And possibly there's kind of a couple of different types of matchups where it could be trickier for him. Like you mentioned the Cavs and your feeling with the Cavs, you want size against the Cavs. Don't know if the size you want is Bobby. It might actually take a series of seeing that play out and Bobby could be part of the thing that wins out and wins you that series and forces the Cavs out of their comfort zone with their size. Or it could be that you're losing that battle and you need to switch it up in a different way. I can can just see a couple of different scenarios where Aside from just, you know, it would be a good idea to have some form of security for, like, any number of minutes with that yep. kind of center. Um, But I can see a scenario where the books go after that. And honestly, that might be a real incentive as much as anything. Like, I wonder if, if it does get to a point where they get Jay Crowder and sort of deal like that, but maybe the pod is sweetened a little bit where we're going, they're going a little bit further on this. That might be with a view to, this is not just about Jay Crowder, but this is about, we want to rectify one to two other spots on our roster and we need the roster spots. So this will get us Jay Crowder and give us the flexibility to go and find a buyout big Uh, as maybe something to keep in mind in the days ahead. If, if an extra second round pick, well, the books are blessed with these things anymore were to appear in a deal where it's like, that seems like an overpay. Ultimately, the, the value of a deal doesn't matter straight up for John Horst and the books, their current situation. It's what is your, what are your assets you're spending at the deadline? And what does your roster look like coming out of it versus going into it? So if there's a big that becomes available and they feel they could get that, you know, you end up with, and that costs you an extra second round pick. What's really the difference from trading a second rounder for that anyway? So that's something I've just thought about that might be worth keeping in mind, because if there is a deal that goes through, whether it's for crowd or someone else with that kind of lopsided construction, where the books are going to open up roster spots, there may be added incentive for the books to do a deal like that. Of mm-hmm. course, the flip side of it could be, they could find a trade partner and do a deal where, they get a big like that back and you know, whatever salary configuration in that deal works, but the Jay Crowder deal is not one set up to be like that. So maybe part of the incentive would be, okay, we can play the biomarker too.
2: Yeah. It all come together in the next few days, I guess. I guess
3: it will. Dear listener. I have no idea what this is even going to sound like. Maybe, maybe I could just say nothing and we get away with this. Maybe it's going to be unbelievably obvious, but we, uh, eventful, eventful recording said at least for this episode, but we had finally got the episode finished a few minutes had gone past and I got a message from Jordan saying, we forgot something and he demanded that we come back and we do it. So here we are. Jordan Tresky presents. Mike Dollop's tweet of the week.
1: Mm.
2: Tweeted 5.26 a.m. February. A- A.M. <laughs> what game? Can we give context?
3: Is there some. <laughs> is it actually like. They weren't out West this week,
2: were they? No, they just had to play at 9 o'clock. Or TipF had 9.20. 20. Um, this would have been Friday. Or no, this is Saturday. Saturday morning. Do
3: you think he just gets up at 5 a.m. He does come across as a 5 a.m. riser kind of guy. That's true. Much like yourself. <laughs> Tweeted at
2: 526 a.m. February 4th, 2023. Coaching? Forces of change? Parenting? AAU influence? Kitty litter discipline? General selfishness? Big picture. Keeping energy and enthusiasm. How? Other coaches. Relationships. Invest. Find other coaches that can assist with their knowledge and shared struggles. Problem solved together.
3: Yeah, I guess so. We we the reason we had to come back for this, Jordan, is because he said kitty litter
2: discipline is like Of course, because I've never heard of that those three words together. What does that mean?
3: I assume it's teaching a cat to go to the toilet and like the litter box. Kitty litter discipline. So he's he's applying a whole variety of scenarios where you may need to be a coach. Including if you're coaching your cat to not, I don't know, shit in the middle of your floor. So Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> I hope he doesn't have that problem. I don't <laughs> believe so. Um, I can, can I can I propose? Yes, I don't uh, know there's, there's another one. one. February third. Or at least that's what it was for me. Yeah, February 3rd, 2 36 p.m. Central. Relationship connection today different than yesterday. How? Cell phone attention spans. Sorry, I need to I need to punctuate this because punctuation is different here. We're dealing with bullet points. I can't remember another bullet point tweet yet, but relationship connections. Relationship connection today different than yesterday. How? Bullet point. Cell phone, comma, attention spans, period. Bullet point. Youthful expectations more, quote unquote, me driven. Bullet point. Question hardline comments. Bullet point. Use electronics to converse. Bullet point. Leadership more horizontal. Bullet point. NBD. Parentheses, no big deal, comma, your urgency isn't their urgency. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I just love someone once texted Mike Dunlap NBD and he Googled it first and foremost, clearly, or he dictated it into his phone to ask his phone what was no NBD. And then... He jotted down in his notes for, for one day when this tweet would be released to the world. Your urgency isn't their urgency. <laughs> now at this point, my urgency is to finally finish this podcast and get on with my evening. So that'll do it for us. You'll have to tell me, Jordan. Uh, I won't be around to see it. I, uh, I'll be... Out of commission for a few days. Very well timed. Uh we'll be back though, I'm gonna guess early-ish next week. Uh, uh worst case scenario back in our kind of more regular Wednesday-Thursday kind of slot. Um, so we'll we'll talk some more about all things books then. Of course, there'll be no shortage of books pods on this feed. You, I'm sure, will even be involved in them, Jordan. Oh um, yeah. But between yourself and Ty and Rowan on the Eurostep we have all things books trade deadline covered here on the Eurostep podcast network over the course of what could be a very busy week all things Green Bay Packers Pebble Beach, at and Pro-Am they're all covered on Talk of the Tundra I for one cannot wait to tune in and hear the important issues I've raised get discussed on that podcast later this week Cruising for a Bruising, we're talking all things Milwaukee Brewers. We're also journeying back in time frequently to 2018. Uh, Game two against the Rockies, 2018 NLDS. Come watch it with us on playback Tuesday night, and then you'll hear about it in the next episode of Cruising for a Bruising. We'll break it down. We'll share some thoughts. If you're lucky, you may even catch it time traveler lost in time it's just a matter of if we're gonna end up in the same space as him at any given moment that is jordan tresky and last but by no means least we've got make time for this our pop culture podcast here at GSPN. andrew and i will be talking uh movies and i believe a movie that's very dear to my heart uh in a couple of days time so that does it for us for now of course you should also go check us out on repod if you want to chop things up about anything discussed in this episode honestly preferably aaron rogers winning the <laughs> at pebble beach pro that's if you've got any remarks questions about that um go go to the the gspn repod room and i'll be happy to talk about it with you Um we need, to, we need to start a dialogue, as a, a very wise man would say Jordan. Join repod.com forward slash gspn. You can listen to all our pods there. You can also chat with us in our podcast. That does it for us for now. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you,
2: Jordan. Thank you.